Hello. Oh. Oh, well, hey. Is this oh, what up? It's Ray. Yo, what's up, my man? And you're being recorded. Oh, really? Okay, sick. Yep, this is man. this is uh, the new shit. We record shit. Hi. It's always good to take pictures of the things we talk about because we take pictures. I don't as much as you, obviously. Yeah. But we, people take pictures of the things around them in their environment. So it's good that you're using the technology to take photographs. I guess it's not technically a photograph, but to take still pictures of the things that we like to talk about. Exactly. So I salute you. Exactly, my man. So I salute you. And we got to just keep it going. You know, we just got to keep it going. Absolutely. Um, and go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Um, so this is a little bit, um, we talked a little bit about this earlier. Mm-hmm. And it's a little off the fanboy tip. It's, it's nerdy, but I don't give a shit. Go ahead. And, Be nerdy. And you don't either. Go ahead. So, okay, man. Let's just take it back to grade school. Uh, I recently just watched the new Batman vs. Superman movie. Very nice. And, yeah, and... I like it. That's my review. Obviously, you saw it and you liked it. Yeah. And obviously, you also saw the previous Batman trilogy, which was the Batman Begins, Dark Knight, and then Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. Christopher Nolan. Yeah, so, okay, I just wanted to compare the two. And I liked the first trilogy... And I also liked the new one, but people are going to think I'm ridiculous for saying this. Okay. I actually preferred the depiction of Batman in the second one, the new one that just came out. And I'll, and I'll explain why. You like, First ben, of all, you like Ben Affleck. I know it sounds ridiculous because I'm not really a Ben Affleck fan myself. Uh, you just like but, that old, beefy Batman? <laughs> okay, well, here's the thing. Go ahead. Go ahead. If, you, if you were a dork like myself, and you read the Frank Miller Batman, and you read the Alex Ross Batman, and you read the Jim Lee versions of Batman, it's actually more accurate to cast Ben Affleck as Batman than Christian Bale. And this is so fucking fanboyed out, and I used to test video games, so I know how irritating it could be, because they would have arguments about this shit 24-7. It was over 12-hour shifts that I would have to test video games, and I would just, in my head, go nuts listening to them talk about this type of shit. So it's weird that I'm like a hypocrite, and here I go. Go for it. Now. I like it. But, uh, but yeah, so at the same time, though, I can't deny... I'd be lying if I said I wasn't, like, a hardcore Batman fan. He always was, like, my favorite superhero for yeah. obvious reasons. He doesn't have superpowers. He's sort of a dick in some ways. And he's just a more interesting guy than a Superman. Because, like, they already have superpowers. They don't really have to do jack shit. They come, they come powerful already, so they don't have to work for it. And I was respected. <laughs> That's I was kind respected. of just uh, real quick. Um, my uh, one of my favorite characters growing up too was a, a character that didn't have powers. It was Iron Man. Oh, that's my second favorite. Yeah, I mean, I'm not his move. Those Iron Man movies aren't my favorite superhero movies, but in the comic back in the day when I was a young buck, I liked Iron Man a lot. You know. 
Oh, that makes sense. Hey, I mean, I'm an Iron Man fan, too. So he's second runner-up to Batman for the same reasons. No superpowers. He has to work for everything. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I just wanted to, like, say something that I don't think a lot of people would say. And that is I actually preferred Ben Affleck as Batman to Christian Bale. Here's why. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Okay. Well, like, the first trilogy was rated PG-13. Mm-hmm. It was rated PG-13, so that alone puts a lot of constraints on what they could do in the movie and with the character, because it has to be suitable for kids. Gotcha. So the way that Batman is described, or the way they make him look, mm-hmm. and by the writers who I mentioned, Frank Miller, Alex Ross, and Jim Lee, is that they kind of make Batman, he's more of a, a, a he's a psychotic so he, he sees his parents get blasted, and then it, he becomes a psychotic after that. And, and by psychotic, I mean that in the most in the most clinical terms there are. Meaning he is schizophrenic. He has an alter ego, very reminiscent of the movie Fight Club and the show Mr. Robot. So he he has an alter ego that he didn't consciously create, but it just manifested and the voices that he hears from this alter ego comes from the back gate and it tells him what to do. So wow. it tells him to train himself, to go around the world and to learn all these skills. And he doesn't learn all in the movie. He gets it as a package deal in like a bundle. Like when you're ordering like internet phone, <laughs> cable TV, it's like he got it in one bundle from that guy Ducart. Yeah. And in the comics, no, he has to work for that shit. He has to go to all these different countries. He has to go learn, master the art of detection from France. And then he goes to Asia to learn martial arts. He goes to hang out with criminals to learn all their secrets. He has to fucking travel for like 10 years to all around the world learning these skills from different people. Right. And he, yeah, so it's, so, I mean, maybe that was too involved to put into one movie. Right. But basically, the reason why he's doing all that is because he's a psychotic and these voices are compelling him to go do that. Whereas in Batman Begins, it wasn't a psychosis that triggered the alter ego. It was a conscious effort to deal with his anger and his rage. So it was like a form of therapy for him. He's like, ah, so rageful. Where is he? Like, he's all rageful, so he says, okay, I gotta deal with my rage and my anger, so I'm gonna make this alter ego and channel all the rage into a crime fighter. Mm-hmm. And then when he's Batman and he's, and he's out there whooping people's asses, he's a really emotional guy. Like, all these emotions come out as he's beating them up, he's like screaming at everyone. But that's not how the Batman in the comics is, because as I've mentioned a few times now, it's due to a psychosis. Right. So when the alter ego Batman is out there whooping ass, he is not emotional. He's not rageful. He's methodical, sadistic, cold, calculated, and maniacal. He's just as sadistic and maniacal as his enemies, as the Joker, as Lex Luthor. If you make comparisons to him, to his enemies, mm-hmm. he's just like them. Only difference is that he's against criminals. But it's with the same amount of 
of twistedness as his enemies. They're all twisted. Because think about it, dude, he dresses up in a fucking suit. Right. As a bat, <laughs> you see? And they're all, that's like the Batman world. Everybody is, a, is zany. Everybody is a crackhead in right. the Batman world. And that's what I liked about it, is that it's just a fucked up world. There's not really, like, right or wrong. It's kind of just, like, you're on that side and I'm on this side, and we're all fucked up. Yeah. So, um, so Christian Bale, he played him, and it's not, it's not a, not anything against Mr. Bale or anything, it's just that, it's all a matter of personal taste anyway, but I always thought Batman was more interesting as a psychotic, where, where when he becomes Batman, he's a straight killer, cold, calculated, sadistic, and maniacal, and he enjoys his work. When he's killing criminals, you're not going to talk him out of what he's doing because he's enjoying what he's doing. So in the, so ones, you, a, the ones you're talking about, he kills he kills criminals? It's not so much that he just doesn't care if they die or if innocent bystanders die. It's like he has a single-point focus and a one-track mind that, like, He's going to take out this crime boss. I don't care if I have to blow up the whole building and innocent bystanders die. I don't care if I have to kidnap his wife and throw her in and hold her hostage and maybe cut her fingers off yeah. <laughs> to get to the boss. Like, that's how he is. He's more of like a punisher right. or, or like, a, or like uh, the character from Denzel Washington in that, in that movie – where he's he goes on a rampage against the the kidnappers that kidnapped that little girl. Oh, it's like the uh, extinguisher or something. No, uh, it's the same as that one too. The one um, that just came out. He's in a couple like that. Denzel Washington. Think of it like Taken, like Taken. We'll just compare it to Taken. Right. Yeah, he's he's like that, but even more maniacal, even more maniacal. Okay. And so that's how uh, I felt like they tried to show that in the new Batman when he's facing off against Superman and Superman is like trying to reason with him. Because remember that Lex Luthor kidnapped Superman's mom and he said, Superman, you got to go fucking kill Batman. Otherwise, I'm going to kill your mom. And so Batman doesn't know that. And remember when they show up to fight each other, Superman is trying to reason with them, like, Batman, you got to listen to me, all this shit. And Batman, he's not hearing any of this. Instead, he just fucking sets off one of his booby traps, the kryptonite dust, Superman. Superman starts getting hurt. Yeah. And then he just smirks with satisfaction. Yeah. That's the Batman that I envision. Uh, he smirks with satisfaction at watching his enemies suffer right. <laughs> that's how yeah and I, I felt like they captured that pretty good the next thing is straight physical Batman in the comics is physically intimidating scary looking and imposing even long after he's been retired and is no longer fighting crime because there's a scene in Dark Knight Returns the comic not the movie in the comic where these thugs try to jump him but as soon as they, they get closer and they start to size them up, yeah. they start noticing that, I don't know, man, because this guy is really fucking big, yeah. and there's something weird about him. He's creepy. There's a weird look in his eyes, and it's making me uncomfortable. There's just something really creepy about him. Yeah. And so 
if you look at Christian Bale, I'm sure he's a tall guy and whatever, but he's just not scary looking. Yeah. <laughs> he's just not that scary looking. I don't know what it is, but true. he doesn't have like the linebacker shoulders and he's just not that big. He can't really get that big. He just doesn't have his frame isn't big enough. He doesn't have a square jaw. Like, he's too skinny and aerodynamic. He would be more like a flash. I actually thought in my mind that they should have cast Ben Affleck as Batman. They should have cast Christian Bale as the Joker. If they just skinnied him out, got him all all tweaked out, like how he loses weight sometimes, and then gave him, like, a Sid Vicious, Johnny Rotten makeover, he would have been the perfect Joker, and and Ben Affleck would have been the perfect Batman. Right. So, um, I actually did like the way that the new Batman vs. Superman movie made Bruce Wayne slash Batman. The other thing is that in Batman Begins, Bruce Wayne acts like a pompous jackass to to hide the fact that he's actually Batman. To conceal his identity, he goes out of his way to act kind of like a pompous jackass. You're talking about the Christian Bale character. Yeah. Uh-huh. But in the comics, dude, he's not like that because first and foremost, you got to remember Bruce Wayne is a philanthropist, so he can't really be too much of a jackass. But in the comics, he blends in with the rest of the rich people, yeah. and yes, he fucks a lot of girls, and yes, he's flashy and he's got money, but he doesn't. He's not like an overly over-the-top jackass that shows up on the tabloids like all the time. Right. He did a couple times, but it's not. I don't know, just the, the impression I got was that he was just another, like, rich, powerful, wealthy guy that no one, that blends in. He doesn't stand out from them, he just blends in with them. Whereas the character, the Bruce Wayne in Batman Begins, stood out too much. He was just, like, he stood out way too much. Right. But whatever, I mean, those are little fucking details that nerds get all, like, hung up on. But, um... You know, but what's cool about Batman, mm-hmm. another reason why I like uh, the story of Batman is because it's kind of a, like an alchemist. The journey of Batman is an alchemist journey because he begins with, begins as a broken soul, and then he becomes psychotic, and then he goes through all these phases of initiation into something else that's bigger than himself. So it is an alchemist journey. Which brings me to the next topic of this week. Sick. What is it? It's something, it's one of my favorite topics, I'm sure you know. But it's something that has not been talked about in the media enough. And I'm talking about LSD. Oh, very nice. Uh Talking about acid, LSD, 25. My favorite compound in existence it's my personal favorite. It is really. I I didn't know it was your favorite. It absolutely, absolutely, it is because uh, if you know me, I'm not a big guy that enjoys getting fucked up using drugs to get like fucked up. It's mm-hmm. not really my thing. I like using drugs as as doorways to consciousness expansion to other realms and to access to higher dimensions. Yes. Or just for performance enhancement. Like, I like coffee because it helps you work and be more focused. I like weed because Mm -hmm. of everything that weed does relaxes you. 
uh, cures pain, helps you sleep, stimulates your appetite, and it just makes reality more enjoyable if you're watching a movie or listening to music or just doing any activity for that matter. And it's safe. Okay. It, it, it balances out your nervous system because obviously your nervous system has two parts, actually has four. But the two parts that I'm talking about is the autonomic and the the autonomic and the peripheral nervous system, which are always out of whack because you're in, it's like you go throughout the day from calmness to fight or flight mode, back to calmness to fight or flight mode because you may be crossing the street. A car is coming, so you got to switch into fight or flight mode, and then as soon as that's over, you go back to calmness. So by the end of the day, your nervous system is all out of whack, and when you smoke weed, it, it brings the two parts of the nervous system into equilibrium. And that's the feeling of being high. And that's why I love it. Okay. But back to the LSD. But there's something you love more. That's LSD. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the two go, they, they, they work, they're a, a hand in glove. Mm-hmm. They're a hand in glove to me. They go together. Right. And I wouldn't want to have, I could have weed without acid. But I, I wouldn't want to have, and I have, unfortunately, have had LSD without weed. And I didn't like it. I, I have, have to have weed. I have. I've had that same experience. I was bummed when I did LSD and didn't have weed. Dude, it's just not the same. Yeah. And so so the thing that, that came up this week about LSD is, is, is first and foremost a very specific type of LSD that was born and bred in San Francisco during the hippie days. But it was most popular in the 70s. And it's, it's called Clear Light LSD. You can Google this and find out all about it. It's called Clear Light LSD. Okay. And what this, yeah, and what makes this Clear Light LSD different than all the other types of inferior LSD out there is it was pure mm-hmm. and it was synthesized using the best tools that a chemist can afford. And it was just the purest. I mean, if you really just want to just keep it simple, it was the purest LSD around at the time. And it was the LSD that Steve Jobs used from 1972 to 1974. And many speculate, but many believe, Mm -hmm. it was the LSD that gave rise to Apple. Oh, interesting. How often, I don't know too much about Steve Jobs. How often did he dose himself? Probably not that much. I mean, according to his his answer in an interview in the 80s, uh-huh. he said that he used it only for two years, from 1972 to 1974. So I'm thinking but he I didn't mean, really like use it every, that much. Like every day, once a week? Oh, well, he didn't really go into the specifics of that. But if you're referring to microdosing, I don't think he did. I think he did it the same way most people did it back then, which was they take a full dose and they have a full trip. Yeah. Oh, but I'm glad you brought that up because I want to talk about microdosing, which was which what, was the second. First off, uh, what is microdosing? Oh, okay. Microdosing is when you take very small amounts of LSD or of anything. Right. Where you don't take the full amount to have a like if you were going to microdose weed which some people do do that. Just one puff. They, one puff or just a very small piece of an edible. 
because I know I, I know a few like MMA fighters. They have this drink that they make uh-huh. for training, where it's like coffee, and they might it's like a very nutrient-filled coffee. Uh-huh. They'll, they'll they'll put like coffee, green tea extract, and all these vitamins into a blender, and they will microdose a very small piece of an edible. So uh-huh. they'll take a bite of a cookie. What? And they'll drink yeah for training because it gets you in the zone. Whoa. Yeah, so microdosing is something a lot of people aren't privy to. And like I said, this isn't for partying. This isn't for getting fucked up. This is for enhancing your life. So I'm a big fan of microdosing, whether it be weed or my favorite, LSD, which I'm about to talk about now. So a while back, there were studies that suggested it was actually first hypothesized by the inventor of LSD himself, Albert Hoffman who, by the way, lived to the age of 100 and was using LSD extensively. He created it. He was the first to synthesize it in Switzerland. And then he began uh, at Sandoz Industries. And then he gave it to Tim Leary, Timothy Leary, and then Timothy Leary blew up the spot and started giving it to all his students. And then LSD got a really bad rap after that. Before that happened, though, Albert Hoffman had a whole list of studies that he wanted to do with LSD that that basically may have led to the discovery of the Holy Grail. What? Yeah, because, okay, like, you've, we've all heard of the myth of the Holy Grail. Like, yeah. what is it and all that shit? Well, a lot of people think it's the elixir of life, that it's the key to immortality. Mm-hmm. And the hypothesis that Albert Hoffman had about LSD was that if you microdose LSD either every few days, once a week, once a month, you never got the exact schedule down, but if you just microdosed it, you would prolong your life and possibly achieve immortality. And there's, at first, people who are not privy to psychopharmacology, who aren't privy to life extension, to longevity studies, to anti-aging studies, this will sound like crackhead ridiculous to them. <laughs> Until you start digging around in these fields, I just think psychopharmacology, so you find out, and I've mentioned this before on other shows that we've done, you find out that schizophrenic people always, usually, I'm not going to say always, but oftentimes look 20 years younger than their actual age. Hmm. And the reason for that, they think, is because they're shifting between multiple personalities. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like a film strip that's being... It, it's like a film strip that's being played over and over again is going to wear out eventually. But if you're, if you're spreading out the amount of wear and tear on each film strip, there's going to be less wear and tear. So it's like if you just have one personality, your sense of time, your sense of memory and experience and life and wear and tear, it's all going to be aggregated into one person. Whereas if you have nine personalities or even just two or three, you're spreading it out over two or three. So 10 years would have passed for this one guy. This other guy... This other personality you have could be in his 40s, but this other personality you have could be like 14. Right. So you're constantly, and and then so it just relates to the age-old question of 
does the mind control the body or does the body control the mind? Can I add something real quick? Absolutely. Just weird that you bring that up about schizophrenics because I just read something. I was just looking up um, – I don't know where I read it. I think I was looking up like uh, – yeah, the frameworks that your mind um the frameworks that your mind holds together for your for your physical body. For example, um uh fuck, I can't think of any of these people's names. But there's this doctor who talks about a lot about how your for example, your your you everybody knows you your you lose um millions of skin cells every day. So Essentially, your skin that you had 10 years ago is long gone, right? Mm-hmm. But why do you still have scars then? Oh. Because your mind, because there's a framework in your mind where your scars are, where your scar goes. Man, that would totally, that is another piece to the puzzle in all of this. But, so like, um, so he, you know, th- he's talking about healing on a um, quantum level. You know, how come some uh, how come some scars go away easy and some scars stay there for your whole life, you know? And then he so talks then he talks about organs. It's scientifically proven that not you don't you don't just um regenerate your skin cells. You, re, you regenerate everything. Your bones, your uh, organs. What? Um he said it takes about I think 6 months or something for example to get the the heart you had like um maybe not 6 months he had he had dates for everything basically the heart you had last year is a lot different than the heart you have now dude because <laughs> because uh-huh. of because of you you just naturally regenerate shit so like if you he's talking about he talks a lot about cancer like why do you have cancer why um one year or why why does it keep growing you know what i'm saying i don't know he is just this this interesting thing, but um, schizophrenia, going back to leading back to what you're talking about, he talks about schizophrenia, and it's been scientifically shown that people with multiple personalities, when they're in one personality, they could be like a six-year-old girl, and their skin is soft, they have no scars or whatever, but in their next personality, they're a 70-year-old man, and And their skin is is saggy. They have weird. They have all of a sudden they have liver marks, you know. All of a sudden they have um, just weird freckles all over their face. Oh my gosh, this is opening up an even bigger can of worms that we're gonna have to continue on yet another show because you are straight up bringing up the holographic universe. Oh what? Keep going. Yeah, you just open. You just open that door, man. And so I understand what he's saying because what the quantum theory is saying, he said this is like quantum healing and shit, is that like how come a schizophrenic person when they're in personality, six-year-old girl, they have the soft skin, the characteristics of a child, and then when they switch to their old personality, they start suffering the physical ailments of liver and wrinkly skin. So how could that possibly be? And... The reason why that could be is has to do with the fact that our reality, as science is starting to suggest, is really a simulation. Oh, shit. And that's the reason why, because there really is no physical 
matter the way that we think of it. It's the program there, from the simulation theory. Yes. And that will save for another show because it's way too long, but it so still has the simulation theory is actually battling this quantum healing theory of the frameworks in your own brain. It's more of the framework in the matrix of the simulation. So, yeah, well, like the sim, it's like they're speak. They're like different pieces to the overall. Like the simulation theory uses the quantum theories and it uses the holographic theories to support evidence as evidence to support the simulation theory. Mm -hmm. But they're all theories at the end of the day. So the simulation theory. It's just like the matrix. Like we, we're living in a computer simulation and we're all computer programs, which is why the Big Bang, which is why we think there's a Big Bang. Because if we are all codes in a computer program, as soon as somebody switches on the program, like you switch on your computer, that would be equivalent to our Big Bang. Everything right. would have been created. All life in the universe would have appeared to have been created from one single event. Right either the switching on of the program, a.k.a. the Big Bang. So it's like they're using what you're talking about, the quantum theories, and they're using the, the evidence from the, quant, from the holographic theories that says our, our reality is a hologram, a 3D, a 3D manifestation from a 2D flat plane. Right. They're saying they're using evidence, that evidence to suggest that the whole universe is a computer program. Right. So they've got their hands in each other's pockets and their spoons in each other's plates. <laughs> and at some point, and they all converge at some point. Right. But just getting back to uh, what you were saying about how this healing stuff goes, it's very, it's basically, it goes back to that question of what controls what? does the mind control the body or does the body control the mind? Because if our brain, if we're looking at this from a strictly materialist deduction and a reductionist point of view, we have a brain which is physical, which is generating the mind. So therefore the mind does not actually control the body. It just feels like that. But really it's the body that controls the mind because if the brain were to be damaged or put to death, the mind would no longer exist. That's the old school materialist reductionist theory. But because these new studies are showing that, no, 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 no. When you change your mind, it changes your body. Yeah. So it's not that order. It doesn't go in that order. It goes in the order that the mind is actually controlling the body. Right. And that, and in turn, if the mind is controlling the body, it's the mind that's creating your entire reality. And that's why positive thinking and having good thoughts and all that shit is important, so they say. And I'm just going to go with that one as a safer option <laughs> for myself, for my personal life. You know, I'm going to choose that one as a safer option to go. But, but it's like it, what you were saying is a lot, lends a lot of support to this theory that microdosing LSD could lead to life extension, if not immortality, because as we all know, as people who have tried LSD all know, there's a rebirth that happens every time you do it. There's an ego death, and 
for me, like when I do LSD, whether it's a full dose or a micro dose, I always feel a baptism the next day. I feel a rebirth, a born again Christian. I'm not Christian, but I feel reborn. And I understand how, where they may have got those concepts from where you baptize someone in the water because birth and always begins from water. Mm-hmm. You come from the womb. So that's why when, when people bab born again, my mom's a born again Christian. So like when they, um, when they baptize you to become a born again Christian, yeah, they put you in the water and then you were reborn as a Christian. Mm-hmm. And what LSD does is it does exactly that. It feels like you've just cleaned out your, all your filters. Mm-hmm. You've cleaned out all your biases, all your conditioning. You've cleaned out all the bullshit that you've accumulated on this lens or on this filter of the mind and the body. And you just wipe that shit clean and you feel reborn. You literally feel reborn. The next day, and it's so weird because the last time I actually did LSD, LSD, mm-hmm. microdosing. Because again, like I'm, again, ever since I discovered microdosing, which was like at the age of 23, no, no, it was at the age, I, I discovered microdosing at the age of when I first started doing it, mm-hmm. but it was by accident, and I didn't know that that was actually a smarter way to use it, <laughs> because you get, you actually get more out of it, I feel, I mean, if you want to have a great time, if you want everything to be intense, to look like a circus, to have visuals moving yeah. nonstop, to have never-ending thought trains, to feel like you're you're living in a cartoon, then go ahead and take four or five hits or two. But if you're actually just trying to have a a really tranquil, uh, if you're trying to have a tranquil experience where you feel reborn, where you're trying to clear the slate, where you're trying to return to the zero point, where you're just trying to clear your mind and, and, and rebuild yourself to start over, start fresh, start your life like clean slate. If you're just trying to go for that, if you're trying to get your whole system defragmented, you're going to bring your switch out your hard drive for a new one. Yeah. Getting rid of all the malware and all the viruses. So you want that shit streamlined. You want that i7 quad core 16 gigabyte RAM <laughs> processors, right? 16 then, gigabyte uh, RAM. Wow. Yeah. Then you want to microdose. Yeah. You don't want to. You don't want to do a full trip. So, what that guy? So what you were saying earlier about how your scars about how people who have he was he was questioning the frameworks of the mind like why he's just asking like why this why that and if this is possible then we could heal ourselves you know absolutely he's right because because he mentioned i think he said just a second ago he said that like your heart or different organs of your skin it regenerates yeah everything in your body regenerates you know your fingernails your hair um uh everything regenerates so like why would it regenerate um ill you know what i mean like if it's a if it's a faulty part why would it regenerate that like as a as a broken piece basically and yeah he's saying it's because that that piece is in your brain that's how it that's how it is that's how it exists so if you can control that part rethink that part of your brain, reprogram that framework, then why can't you just regenerate a, a, a better organ, you know? Absolutely, you can. And I think the reason why at some point in people's lives they can't 
mm-hmm. has to do with psychology. I think it has to do with the fact. I mean, that you they hear become, about all those miracle healings, you know? Yeah, because yeah, and I think the secret to those miracle healings is belief. Yeah, you've got to like and belief. If we're gonna define what belief is, it's a hard thing to define. You know what it really is? It's knowing that something is true. Yep, it's it's faith. That's what belief you know? is. Yeah. It's yeah. It's like some people they try to believe and they're like, oh, I, I fucking believe in it, but they don't really believe in it because they don't know that it's true. It's like they're trying to get there, yeah. but they're not there yet. And and well, oh my gosh, we talked about like apophenia and how like you don't want to be delusional either. So it's a fine line, which requires a very sharp critical thinking apparatus, which I hope people can attain. Yes. This is this is the shit. This is the sword of truth, the shield of knowledge, and it's like all part of the fucking whole hero's slash alchemist journey, which is why I said I like Batman in the first place. <laughs> but going back to this um, LSD thing, okay, so yeah. Albert Hoffman first talked about how Microdosing LSD might lead to life extension, possibly immortality, but the studies on it were never really carried out because it was shut down by the federal government after LSD got into the hands of college kids and there was accidents and it just became a schedule one drug. But nowadays they're doing studies. They're reopening this door, these doors of perception and UK university, like some university in the UK, they had done, they just did studies recently on the brain. And here's one of the things that I find crazy about LSD. When you're on any other drug, you are on, you are on a chemical. You're intoxicated on that chemical. When you do LSD, all LSD, first of all, is less toxic than vitamin C. And when you are on it, the effects that you experience is not really the effects of the drug directly itself. What happens is that LSD enters the bloodstream as a dead signal. Hmm. And what a dead signal in your, in your, in your system does is that it disrupts the flow of information, which, which in turn shuts off your filters so that all your senses bring in stimulation from the environment unfiltered. And this makes you experience what they call ultimate reality with no prejudice, no bias, no conditioned response, no preconceived notions. You just see things as they are, not the way the filters in your mind assembles it to be. Right. Because, I mean, it, it's just you experience it as it is. And so that's why everything seems fresh and new, because it actually is. You get to experience life as a baby, as a newborn baby again. And that's how I think LSD, if you were to microdose it, can prolong life. Because let's face it, people as they age become more bitter. They become more jaded. They've gathered, they have more conditioning. They have more prejudices, more biases. I mean, you've seen old people. Oh, I don't want to do that. It's just like that. They're set in their ways. You get to a certain age and you're set in your ways. Yeah. If you're constantly being reborn and you're washing out your system spiritually, psychically, you're psychically cleansing your whole being once a week, once a month. Maybe you don't even need to do it that much. 
maybe if you're healthy and you exercise and you already just keep this state of mind going, you may only have to do this once every few years. But the point is, you want to keep your mind clear. Right. Because that's also how you keep your mind, your critical thinking apparatus sharp. The time where your critical thinking apparatus becomes blunt is when you can no longer see the truth in things. People who have clear minds can spot the truth dead on, yeah. right away. <laughs> and so this is the all-supreme state of mind that yoga, working out, meditation, all these different exercises and disciplines are trying to do. And here's another thing. It's a little controversial. So I'm not saying that it's the wisest thing to do to go out. And obviously, if you're able to get there by meditation mm -hmm. or by – a lot of athletes talk about this, and I'm sure if you've ever worked out in your life that you've also experienced it. But when you, when you push yourself to the limits physically, mm -hmm. you actually get into a, a peaceful state of mind. When you're suffering the most, like if you're pushing yourself on a run or a lift, when you push yourself beyond the fucking limits, all of a sudden you experience ecstasy, like this peace where you're, you're not thinking anymore. It's like a state of no mind where you're not having any mental or you're not having any internal chatter. The, the wheels of your mind finally stop and you can just feel peace. Mm -hmm. A lot of athletes talk about that, and you can get there yourself too by running and things like that, by by working out or by pushing yourself physically to the limits beyond your limits. I was listening thing, to uh, just real side, real side, quick, real side quote, real quick. <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. I was listening to this like, um, I think a podcast or something, and the guy was like, "When you're doing when you're doing ten pull-ups." You know, he's like, which one is the toughest one? And um, everyone's like, oh, the first one. And he's like, no, the, the, the tenth one, you know. And he's like, but which one has the most benefit? And um, everyone's like, uh, and then he's like, the eleventh one. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean, it's true because it's Especially for something like pull-ups, that's true, because you don't actually grow any muscle from just doing push or pull-ups or anything that just puts the amount of stress on your body that it could handle. It only grows when you shock it, when you, when you terrorize your body past its limits. So it's like, oh, shit, you just fucking traumatized the shit out of me. I'm going to fucking grow. So that next time you do this to me, I ain't going to suffer. Yeah. And so he's right. It's the 11th push-up. It's the 11th pull-up out of the 10 where yeah. you actually get the benefit. Yeah. That's actually where you're supposed to start counting. Oh. I mean, yeah, like when you... No, that's Muhammad Ali, right? Isn't that his quote? It might be. It's actually just the way it is, too, though. He said he doesn't... Like if, he, doesn't he said he doesn't... When he's doing push-ups, he said he doesn't start counting... Until he until he can barely do one, that's when he starts counting. Oh damn! Well, that's perfect. That makes perfect sense. Cause yeah, because yeah, think about it. If you get if you can do ten, if you can do fifty push-ups, no problem. And you do twenty, you didn't really get anything out of the twenty. It's like walking. 
if you could walking to someone who's been paralyzed for 15 years is going to be difficult because they haven't used their muscles in 15 years. But if you're used to walking, it's not going to make your legs grow. Right. I mean, if you're used to walking, it's not going to make your legs grow. But if you haven't ever used your legs, they're going to grow because you're putting foreign stress on them they're not used to, and that will force them to grow. So, like, um, yeah, I mean, getting to this uh, peak experience of no mental chatter Mm -hmm. and rebirth clarity many ways to get there you can get there naturally i hope you do but i think we should look into this lsd thing (laughs) more because there's got to be a way if we can come up with cures for all these diseases the plague flu there's probably cures for cancer and aids out there too that they're just not letting us know about but if we're able to cure all these ailments why the fuck can't we cure death without, or I mean, why the fuck can't we just extend our lives with an elixir? I'm not asking for immortality yet, but we should, because our lives are already being extended every day anyway from our diet and other knowledge that we're gathering. Like, I think we talked about before how life lifespan in the 1930s has doubled since then. Well, dude, just technology by itself. Uh, is going to extend our lives. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, like oh, no, you got arthritis? Boom, robot hands, dude, like Luke Skywalker. Yeah, and you see, like, I'm all for the, the technology. Would you get robot stuff, hands? But... If your hand, let's say you just, your your hands just become over, overwrought with arthritis. Yeah, I would get it. Yeah, hell yeah. I mean, I would get it anyway. <laughs> I know. I would too. Yeah, yeah, I, I would totally get it. I mean, I, I don't want to be the guinea pig. I'd make sure that this has been successfully done on someone else first. Yeah, Robocop. Yeah, they, they did it to Robocop. Oh, that's right. Okay, yeah, I would do it. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, it's just that the LSD. If they found a way to divvy it up into microdoses, remove it from Schedule One and perform further studies using human test subjects on this over, let's say, a 30-year study. Mm-hmm. Start giving it to people at the age of 50 years old, microdose them, make sure that they're, 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 they've been informed consent, they've signed an informed consent to do this. Like, obviously, it's unethical and illegal to use human test subjects without them knowing about what they're putting into their body that's illegal, even though it has been done in the past with the Tuskegee experiment, with the early LSD experiments that they gave the soldiers. A lot of that was unethical. They didn't know that... Yeah, they didn't know what they were getting. I mean, they made a few movies about it. It was in that movie with... uh, What the fuck is the name of that movie? Jacob's Ladder. Oh, yeah. Have you ever seen the movie? Friggin' Tweet. Yeah, Jacob's Ladder is about the LSD experiment. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, that his whole fucking trip was a, was an acid trip. What? Yeah, like that whole fucking thing. Remember, like, that's why... You know what? Guy... I, watched, I watched it at a young age, and um, I remember being high when I watched it and being like, this movie's fucking weird, you know? Yeah. 
and trippy and watch it again i never watched it again again. like i don't Uh, yeah i don't remember the plot or nothing i just remember weird visuals it's one of my favorite movies but yeah it's like i mean at the end it's kind of just like this guy dies in the war and then the whole movie is just his his flash it's like his life flashing before his eyes before he, he finally dies oh but they do allude to, at the very end, I also don't remember it too well, but I know it had to do with the LSD experiments, and that's why it was called Jacob's Ladder. And that's why, at the end of the movie, they do talk about MK Ultra. That's what it was. Uh, Jacob's, uh, Jacob's Ladder was not necessarily about LSD. It was about MK Ultra, uh, which, in some of those experiments, used LSD. Right. But if you watch the movie, it's fucking LSD. Like, it's a bad trip, though. It's not a good one. Yeah. It's a bad trip. It's I, like if you were to have a bad trip. I remember that feeling watching it, being like, I don't know if I want to watch this again, you know? Yeah. It, it's a powerful movie, though. I recommend you watch it again. Tons of references and dots to connect to other other things in the world, in reality, not just, like, the film world. Right. And I recommend it. So, I mean, yeah, I hope that I can get my hands on some of this clear light LSD. Oh, by the way, I don't know if I mentioned this. Yeah, it comes in a special wooden box on gelatin. So it's not just in a cheap uh, Visine eyedropper file. You can file. still You're, get it? You can still get it? I heard from a little bird that it is still possible. Someone that actually lives in San Francisco. Wow. And uh, if this is the Holy Grail and this is the elixir of life, I'm I'm willing to embark on another another journey to get this stuff Let's to bring it on. back to the to the panacea of tools. Yes. And yes, let's yes. pick up and let's pick up where let's let's try to pick up where the hippies left off. I'm not trying to make the world into a hippie place, but specifically uh, what Timothy Leary was saying about Smile, I actually think there's a lot of value in Smile. And for those who don't know what Smile is, it's based migration intelligence increased life extension using drugs such as LSD and technology such as computers and the internet to make this vision happen. And it can, and it seems like it is. But I just don't see enough people working on the the drug side of it. It's all technology. Everybody's trying to make the computers so smart that we can upload our souls into this computer and they're working on the human genome so that we can map that. Well, they already completed it. But they did that so that we can map all our genes and we can modify our genetics for our future offspring and for cloning organs for when our, our organs fail that we can clone another organ and replace a heart or a stomach or a liver. And all that shit is fully, I would say, yeah, it's more important than the drugs because that is physical and that is, you're going to get immediate results from that that you could see immediately. But with the LSD stuff or just with, um, this is ancient because this goes back to before history. This goes back to before civilization. Everyone has always been on a quest for immortality and we don't. There's been so many people that have lived in the last five, six thousand years, 
we don't know that one of those people, I mean, look at right now, there's 7 billion people on the planet. Huge fucking number. I actually was seeing this, this to give you some perspective. I, I, I wish I remembered it um, to give people a perspective of how large a number 7 billion is. But um, I'm not going to say that, and I shouldn't have even brought it up because I can't remember the example. But it's a big fucking number that you, it's impossible for any human to wrap their head around. So that's how many people are alive today, like Tuesday, April 18th, 18th, 2016, okay? So imagine, that's just today. Imagine how many people have been born and died since the beginning of time. One of those people has to be immortal, has to have found the elixir. I guess they don't have to have found it. But out of that large a sample size, I don't see why they wouldn't, because they were looking for it too. Well, there's those people that, have you heard about those garlic farmers in Korea? No, what's this all about? There's like a village where they farm garlic and everything they eat is like garlic based because there's this little village. They eat like Mm -hmm. garlic drinks, garlic, garlic with everything, you know, you know, but Mm -hmm. um, they're all averaging in age like 200 years old. Hmm. There you go, man. It can be done. Yeah. Do not believe. Do not believe. Don't, do not believe what everything that people tell you in in because they say they're an expert. No way, dude. You know, I don't believe. Yeah. In, I don't believe in experts, dude. I know. No. I never did. You know why? I just thought about this the other day. Um, in seven, this is just for my my own personal story of when the uh-huh. uh, when the facade fell apart. And when, like, basically, I was in seventh grade, and we had this crazy old English teacher. She was nuts. She'd always scream at everybody. But um, one day, we were in class, and she wasn't there. Like, we got, she just didn't come to class. And um, we found behind her podium uh, two huge bottles of Jack Daniels. What? Yeah. We are like, what? Um, and I remember just sitting in class with no teacher, and we were all just spazzing out, you know what I mean? And then finally, um, yes, we found these bottles. We weren't drinking them, but we were just playing with them, you know what I mean? And um, someone came in, I remember, and then whatever, they're like, what is this alcohol doing here? And we're like, we found it right there, or it was just chilling right there. And... Um, and then it just all made sense. Like, this lady was an alcoholic. That's why she was nuts. And she was drinking in class and all this stuff. She ended up getting fired. But that's that was like a turning point for me being like, these authority figures ain't shit. These are just... The, the, these people with these kind of problems are trying to teach me something. You know what I mean? I might be better off... Oh, learn, right, I'm right. better off learning my own. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. That's and I just remember that was like a significant point for me being like fuck school. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like how is it, how how am I learning anything from these people? Type of vibes. Yeah. And that's you know I already had author authority problems, but. Yeah, I hear I feel that man, because it's like you discover something like that, and it's like, I mean, yeah, the list goes on. I mean, I remember. Uh, 
I, there was like this big brother figure mm-hmm. that uh, me and my friends used to have. He was older than us. He was like 19 or 20 when the rest of us were like nine or 10. Yeah. And he was like this martial arts guy and he was like a badass, but he was like really chivalrous too. He would take care. He was like well-spoken. He'd always like reach out a helping hand to take care of everyone and everything like that. And, um, but what's funny is that see, at the time, my, uh, my dad, my father was dating this woman whose daughter was, became a porn star. What? Stephanie. Yeah. Her name is Stephanie Swift. That's her screen name. What? And yeah, her, her real name is Melody. But like, um, anyway, he was, this guy, this martial arts guy was dating Melody. And what, and so we all looked up to him as like a pillar and Melody had problems because she was, she was one of those girls that she was always in abusive relationships, real ones. Like I'm saying, like physically. Wait, she was, did you say she was a porn star? Yeah. But this is before, like when Ruben, his name was Ruben. When he when he was dating Melody at the time, he, he Ruben was the, the the hero. Okay. In our in our little circle and shit. But you were saying your dad was dating the mom. Yes, her mom. Oh, crazy. Yeah, I know. And this is before she she was a stripper okay. back then. She she had not become a porn star yet. And even then, she was she okay. Like, watch. Here's here's how it went. Okay. So Ruben. <laughs> So, yeah, Melody was in and out of abusive relationships. Uh-huh. I think she had even been raped at an early age, oh, like by by uh, an uncle or something like that. So she was pretty screwed up, mm-hmm. Why? And which explains why she was always in abusive relationships. So then when Ruben came along and became her boyfriend, he was like the hero. He was like the guy that rescued her from abuse, that he even put her into martial arts to build up her her character, her strength, her self-esteem. He put her into his gym and and put her through martial arts. And so it looked great. On paper, everything looks fantastic. It looks like Ruben, man, you finally met this guy. He's such a a quality guy. He's a pillar of his community. And I'm so happy for you. (laughs) But lo and behold, as the years go on, then you find out, okay, Ruben is now a coke dealer. And Melody's now a stripper. Okay. And she would strip at those, like, San Diego clubs, like the Platinum and, like, Dirty Dams and all that shit. So she would, she became a stripper. So this isn't going as, as planned. Right. She was supposed, she was supposed to, like, get on the straight and narrow, but now she's actually going the opposite direction, getting involved with coke and stripping. Okay. So years later, I guess Ruben, they ended up breaking up. Ruben became abusive as well. He became another abuser and coke dealer. And then we never heard from him again. And then that's when Stephanie, or that's when Melody became, as as a lot of porn stars, she got into it from working at the strip club. And then she got into porn. Her brother became her, her bodyguard. And my friend Justin started dating her little sister. But like, um, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so I mean, it's like looks can be deceiving. It's, yeah. All along, you know, we looked up to Ruben. He was this hero guy, and then it ended up being the the guy that actually got her on track to becoming a porn star. 
and I don't know, I'm not judging porn stars or saying that they're bad or they're, there's things that are wrong with them, but actually I think for the majority of them, there is, they are broken people because I don't think you can either have, there's only two ways you can do porn. One, you have to have been, this is just my opinion, so don't, this is my opinion. Uh-huh. One, you, you either have to be broken down earlier mm-hmm. so that that crazy hardcore sex that you have in porn is not that big a deal to you. You're like, you've already been desensitized to it. Mm-hmm. Or you really do just have an abnormal sex drive. Yeah. <laughs> Where just, and I think those are the only two. I don't know. I mean, I don't see like how you could be a porn star. And not be one of those two. Right. It's like, you, it's, I don't see how it can work. I don't see how you can skip first, second, third, fourth, fifth grade and go to college <laughs> from like, from kindergarten, unless you're a genius or a prodigy. Unless you're Dookie Hauser, dude. Exactly. And the majority of people are just not. Right. So it's like, either have to be broken down earlier from abuse, molestation, rape, or you just are born with a strange dopamine system where you have these crazy receptors that just absolutely need high-intensity fucking (laughs) to to get off, you know? And uh, I'm sure they're out there, so I'm not judging. I don't know what kind of porn star... She was, I mean, well, no, I, I mean, no, she was the type that was broken. Now, she, I don't think she was really, like, that horny, necessarily. I mean, it's not from what I saw. I feel like she was just broken down right. and, like, just went that route. It's so sad. But, I mean, at least she made a lot of money. I don't know how much money she made, but she made a pretty, she was on Vivid. Like, she was, um, she was one of the Vivid girls. She was up there with the heavy hitters of the 90s. She was up there with Jenna Jameson. Um, I mean, that's really the only, um, Chasey Lane, Kobe Ty, um, <laughs> Jenna Jameson, they're on the same label, Vivid, wow. and she was up there, Stephanie Swift. You could actually Google her, and there she is. But I mean, I don't know. Forget about her. I mean, that's like not even what we're talking about. We're trying to extend our lives with LSD, microdosing. <laughs> how, did it, uh, so, how did that, how did we even segue into that? I think, oh yeah, because you were talking about how, like, authority, we don't trust experts, and it's like, listen to me deceiving, so just because somebody is wearing a suit and they have degrees, and it's like, you don't necessarily, they don't necessarily have the truth, and we got we have to sharpen our critical thinking apparatus in order to, to identify the truth for what it is, and that's why maybe microdosing LSD might be for you, because it clears your state of mind, and it gives you clarity. And with clarity, you're able to use more discernment right. correctly. Yeah, so um, that was pretty much what has been in my mind for the last couple of days. Pretty sick convo, dude. I think we should actually end it because last time we went over an hour didn't record. <laughs> and this is over totally. an hour. Totally. So I hope it recorded. Okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, I pretty much that's what was on my mind. And, uh, Thanks for hitting me up, man. I hope to do this again with you. I love hanging out. I love photographing the things that we talk about. They have as much merit, if not more value, than a lot of things that a bird or sitting on a, a bench or something. Even those those things have 
have have a lot of quality too. But why not have both? <laughs> okay, sounds good. And um, I'll talk to you later. Okay, cool. I'm gonna put this on the website. Um, and um, oh yeah, for those of you listening, we have the darkroom prophecies going. We're gonna end that. We ended that. This is gonna start off the Hamburgerized podcast, which has already been going, but we're just going to call it the Hamburgerized podcast. And Jamie, who I've been talking to on this recording and all our other recordings, um, started a new, brand new YouTube channel called The Jamie Files, the J-M-E Files. So All one word. All one word. The J-M-E Files. One word. So visit his YouTubes. I'm going to be on there too. And it's gonna it's pretty much this times a hundred. So get ready for that. Subscribe and um tell your friends about it and you can find this recording on hammergrice.com. And um we'll talk to you guys again very soon, hopefully once a week. So um thanks Jamie and the Jamie Files YouTube, find it and uh see you later. Cool, I'll see you later. Yeah.